Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live. A program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. This program is all about educating seniors and their caregivers, helping them make informed decisions. This is a trusted place for you and your family. As always, if you have a question, you can visit us online at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com, or you can call 1-800-331-6445. All right, we're going to have a great program for you here today. Uh, right out of the gates, my friend and special guest, Mr. David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And David, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. Good to be here again. All right, and we're out of the deep freeze, and I think we're kind of moving. We're we're <laughs> rolling towards spring, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm ready, and uh, sunshine's been nice this week, so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So it's always a good idea from time to time to revisit the basics of the type of work that you do and and uh, how it can just benefit so many families facing serious illness or maybe even end of life issues, including grief. So let's spend some time today recapping some of the basics of hospice and palliative care and how this model of care differs from other types of health care. Absolutely, Steve. Uh, it's an important topic, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it today. And, you know, the, um, let's start with palliative care. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people hear that term these days. You know, in practice, palliative care can really mean a lot of different things because there's no one agreed-upon definition in the U.S., like for hospice care. Mm-hmm. And um, most generally, palliative care is an umbrella term for um, a type of healthcare that specializes in helping manage symptoms such as pain and uh, really trying to ensure comfort. So palliative care also can be offered at any stage of a serious illness, whether it's curable, whether it's chronic or life limiting. So uh, that's palliative care. Now in terms of hospice care, um, it actually is a type of palliative care. And um, because Medicare covers most or all of the costs, uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, you know, referred to as CMS, provide a specific definition f- 
for when an individual is considered to be eligible for hospice. So those are basically the rules. And really the simplest way to think about that is uh, hospice is care when the focus shifts from curative treatment to ensuring comfort and a quality of life. So when a cure might not be possible or when someone's making a choice to stop treatment, um, hospice can uh, help people live each day to its fullest and um, help alleviate pain and other symptoms that might cause discomfort. And it also provides uh, care to the to whole person. And in addition to addressing physical uh, needs through medical care, it provides emotional and spiritual care, not just for the patient, but also their family as well. And it works, uh, we work really hard in hospice to relieve the strain and the stress from loved ones so they can really spend time being a family member and, and not just a caregiver. And finally, I think it's important to just consider and, and mention that you know physicians can help decide whether a patient's needs are best met through um, home health care, palliative care, or hospice care. Okay, and thank you for that uh, that separation differentiation. That that makes a lot of sense. So, mm-hmm. uh, so both hospice and palliative care focus on providing symptom management and improving comfort and the quality of life. Why would someone move from palliative care to the more specialized model of hospice care? You know, that's a critically important question, and it's one of the most difficult questions I think that families have to ask when they're faced with a loved one's serious or life-threatening illness. It's important for people to, to be open with their physician, also be open about their desires, and, and really make that decision together. You know, we often hear families say that they wish that they had started hospice much sooner, mm-hmm. but to answer your, to answer your question, um, you know, there can be many reasons to move from palliative care to hospice. And the most common is that the patient is ready to forego that curative treatment that we talked about and really spend their final months, uh, weeks, or days enjoying the time that they have with their family and their loved ones. And another common reason is that although hospice surrounds the patient with emotional and spiritual support, it also surrounds their family with support while their loved one is on service and it provides, you know, grief support after death. So, you know, this is, it's, it's powerful. It can make a tremendous difference for the person receiving the care, but also uh, for the people that love them. Absolutely. And and I can say firsthand, uh, when we had hospice services for my dad, this has been many, many years ago, I mm-hmm. I was just thinking about my dad. I wasn't thinking about us. And we sure. received so much support um, that was an unexpected but very welcome bonus, uh, frankly. I, I, I was surprised. So I'm really glad we're talking mm-hmm. about this. Good. I'm glad to hear it too, Steve. All right. And I've often heard people suggest that hospice is for the very last days or maybe a couple of weeks of, of someone's life. Is that true? You know, it, it's one of the most common uh, misconceptions about hospice. Uh, according to the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, the most recent statistics, the average length of stay of a hospice patient is 89.6 days. So really, right, just about three months. So, mm-hmm. however, just keep in mind that that's the average. So, you know, that's on average, uh, you know, that well, that's the average. So the, the reality is, is that it's, it's very unique to each person. And it's really unique to the timing of when they're referred to hospice. So Mm -hmm. the bottom line answer is that care and support are going to be provided to the patient and family regardless of when they come onto service 
Sometimes we start service, you know, within a day or two, or frankly, and sadly, even hours uh, of death. And we work to keep the patient comfortable as well as the family so they can say goodbye, which is also very powerful. And we're always honored to help families during such a difficult uh, and significant time, even if it is short. Um, I think it's important to know that even if, if the patient starts on service for a short time, we can also provide um, that valuable support to their loved one you know, in their grief. We offer an incredible array of grief programs, including individual grief support, mental health counseling, educational programs, uh, grief support groups, uh, not only to our families, but to the community, uh, camps for kids, and, and a lot more. And so, you know, with that said, we know that hospice is most beneficial when it's started early enough to manage symptoms and to establish a trusting relationship between the patient um, and their family and their Kansas City hospice caregivers. So, you know, Many families have told us, like I said before, that they wish they had started earlier. Once they did, it gave their loved one um, a significantly better quality of life, and it allowed them to enjoy their remaining time together. And so, you know, oftentimes we find that patients even start feeling a lot better because they're no longer ongoing uh, curative treatments, which uh, may have made them feel, you know, even worse um, than their disease, frankly. So. That's right. And at that point, you make the decision of quality over quantity. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Another thing I've heard is that starting hospice services is the same thing as just giving up hope. And that just doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, you know, you know, I think um, it's a very common misconception and one that I, I'd like to dispel for our listeners today. You know, while, while, while the hope for a cure might not be possible. Hospice often is about redefining what that hope means. So for many, it means refocusing their time on what's most important to them, saying the things that they need to say to others, uh, deciding on how they wish to spend their final months. It could also mean uh, offering a time of reflection of their life and, and what their legacy, um, what their legacy, what they want to leave, you know, leave as their legacy. Some people choose to complete you know, memory projects. Um, others take this time to draw up some uh, loose ends or financial documents, or maybe they're with meet with their trusted financial advisor. You know, our vision, Steve, at Kansas City Hospice is that each person in our community is valued from life through death, and each family is supported in their grief. And, you know, hospice is valu valuing that time, uh, Saying that your life matters, even if you're not pursuing a cure, your time matters, no matter how long or how short that time is. That's a really, really powerful statement. And uh, David, is hospice expensive or is it difficult to get it approved by Medicare or Medicaid or maybe some other types of insurance? You know, that's another good question, Steve. Um, you know, Medicare offers um, hospice benefit. And uh, patients with Medicare, frankly, they pay very little or nothing for hospice care. And um, most private health insurance plans um, do have um, hospice coverage as well. And many offer coverage for some of the palliative services as well. And while coverage, you know, can always be confusing, our team does all the behind the scenes work to sort through those details. So I don't want people to worry about that. And if you, if you aren't, you know, signed up for benefits, we can uh, work with our social workers to help you navigate that as well. 
Okay, so simply put, if you have a question about anything that David reviewed in this first part of the program today, reach out to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, and that phone number is 816-363-2600, 816-363-2600. You can also visit online at kchospice.org. All right, now the Senior Care Live question of the week. Hospice is for the very last days of life. Is that statement true or false? We'll have the answer coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device at SeniorCareLive.com and through the app Radio.com. Back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. Hospice is for the very last days of life. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False. The answer is false. And David, why is that statement false? You know, Steve, it's false because hospice care is most beneficial when there's sufficient time to manage symptoms and establish a trusting relationship. And hospice is available to people with a terminal illness and a life expectancy of six months or less if their disease takes the normal course. So it's not uncommon for our patients to live longer than that. And they often, um, they can be recertified along the way uh, to stay on hospice care, or they can go off of the service and actually come back on when they need it. So, Okay, and that's a good point. You know, I've heard of a lot of people who graduate uh, from hospice services. They have a really nice comeback. They improve, and they don't really need those services. And so that, that would be uh, that would be a great graduation right there. So. <laughs> sure would. Sure would. That's <laughs> All right. Well, so, David, how does someone go about finding a good hospice provider? You know, um, it's important to know that although the Medicare hospice benefit prescribes certain minimum standards for the provision of care, not all hospice providers are equal. You know, some may only provide the minimum of the required services, um, while others, like Kansas City Hospice, uh, we provide extra support to ensure that we can meet, best meet the needs of uh, patients and their families that we serve. And I think it's important to interview several hospice providers to find one that fits your needs. You know, you're placing a great deal of trust um, in your provider um, and it, at a very vulnerable moment. And so it's important, I think, to feel comfortable with whom, whomever you choose. Uh, some providers are, are for-profit, which means that they actually profit from this care and then they, um, they, they pay it out to their owners or their shareholders. Uh, Kansas City Hospice, uh, we're, we're a nonprofit organization, um, which means that any profit we do make on a program, we actually reinvest right back into the organization. And that helps us support other programs because 
uh, we believe that that's just the right thing to do for the families that we serve in our community. Um, the things that we uh, invest in are, are uh, you know, we, we provide care to individuals that don't have resources to pay, uh, or we offer services that go above and beyond, like uh, uh, pet therapy or grief camps. And we also have made it a priority to include services that address people's emotional, spiritual, and mental health um, needs. So that includes uh, art and music therapy, memory projects. Uh, we have a terrific We Honor Veterans program. And frankly, just not all hospice providers do this. So, you know, most physicians are fully informed about hospice. So your own physician is also a really good place to start in learning about eligibility, uh, options for care, um, or Kansas City Hospice has staff available 24 hours a day to answer questions, uh, talk with your physician, or even provide you with a, a consultation at any time. All right. And David, I'm just going to make it really easy for our listeners to find a great hospice provider. I'll just have them contact you <laughs> at uh, Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And uh, and I'm totally serious about that. I would reach out to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care uh, for sure. I refer all of my clients and anyone I speak with who may be interested in the services or wanting to learn more at 816 363 2600 or online at kchospice.org. Thanks. All right. So you gave us a lot of great information about the difference of hospice care and home care and palliative care. And March 30th is National Doctors' Day. And you mentioned that your own doctor is often a great place to start to inquire about hospice services. So can you tell us more about the role of a person's physician in starting hospice and how their role changes once the person starts on hospice? And then I guess another related question, is their mm -hmm. doctor still their doctor? Yeah, you know, that's a good question and that's a big concern for folks. You know, most doctors are well informed about hospice and it's important that you discuss your options with your primary care physician uh, to, you know, to make an informed decision. If you're eligible, you are ultimately the one that decides whether hospice is best to meet your needs. And then once you make that decision, your, your physician will complete the necessary paper, paperwork to confirm your eligibility and then uh, work with your chosen hospice provider to begin services. And we always, we hope, I hope, it's Kansas City Hospice, like you said, Steve. So, mm -hmm. uh, but if you decide to start hospice, then the hospice team will work closely with your own doctor and then um, you and your family. And then that's when the plan of care is directed. So, once admitted to hospice, you have a choice. You can t continue to have your physician direct your care, or um, a doctor with your hospice provider can become the primary uh, doctor overseeing care, and then they'd be able to consult with your family doctor as needed. So I do want to say that Kansas City Hospice is one of the few hospices in our area that uh, provides uh, full-time physicians on our staff that are board certified in hospice and palliative medicine. They're highly trained. They specialize in hospice care, which means that their primary focus is helping you and your family manage your symptoms and really ensuring your comfort as a patient. Okay. All right. That's excellent. So can you tell us more about that? You know, what education or training do hospice and palliative care physicians go through? You know, like other medical specialties, um, 
uh, hospice and palliative care physicians have a doctorate degree in medicine. They complete a three to seven year residency program in their primary specialty, and then they're fully licensed and board certified. Um, in addition, hospice and palliative care doctors complete a specialized training in end-of-life care. It's uh, typically uh, in the form of a, a fellowship program. At the completion of this fellowship, which is about a year or a year, they, they take a subspecialty exam to assess their knowledge um, and to provide quality care to seriously ill patients. And there actually is a scarcity of hospice and palliative care fellowship programs nationwide. Um, I think the number is right around 130, and Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, we're very proud to be an instrumental partner locally um, in physician education as a teaching site uh, through the Palliative Care Fellowship Program that's offered in conjunction with the University of Kansas Medical Center. So I'm always, I like to talk about that. You know, and I learned something today. That is, that's something to really be proud of, and I think that's a really big deal. So, uh, David, if, if people have questions about hospice sure. and palliative care, and they're in need of a consultation to determine what might be best for themselves or a loved one, uh, where can they go? You know, um, they can call us. Uh, they can call us, or they can go to our website, which is a great place for information. Um, there's a frequently asked questions section. Um, there's different types of care that we offer. So just go to kchospice.org, or you can always call us, like I said, 24 hours a day at 816-363-2600, and we're happy to set up time to talk with you. Excellent, excellent. David, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to spend with us here on the program and, and, and just providing all of that excellent information. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Good to be here. All right, we'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget to check out all of our podcasts at the same website, SeniorCareLive.com. All right, just want to say thanks again to David Wiley, President and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And if you want to reach out... Uh, Trust me, folks, this is a phenomenal organization. There, I could go on for hours, I think, <laughs> gushing about all of the things uh, that are just wonderful about uh, KC Hospice. But uh, reach out. Uh, here's the phone number, 816-363-2600. That's 816-363-2600. You can also visit online at kchospice.org. And, you know, David, okay, so look, he's the president and CEO, so he hears a lot about hospice care. And so many people wish they would have started hospice services sooner. And uh, and that's that. this is a big deal. This is why we're constantly trying to educate 
the public about hospice. Don't be afraid of that. Uh, and, 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 and it's not a sign of failure. Uh, don't call them in the last days. Uh, you can be on hospice service and, and just receive a tremendous amount of support for up to six months. So I think just just open up your mind a little bit to what hospice is and educate yourself and don't assume what you may have heard is the truth or maybe even the whole picture. Make your own decision and learn for yourself. I always encourage people to stop thinking about hospice as the place you go to die or or as something that will speed up your death. And it's, it's just, it's, it's absolutely not true. Uh, and, and, and look, there is a hospice house, the KC Hospice House. Everyone knows about it. I've heard nothing but just incredible positive stories uh, about that. But frankly, uh, the, I would say the majority of hospice services are not provided at the hospice house, although it's an excellent service and an excellent, excellent option. Uh, but most services are provided in your own home or your apartment or maybe in your assisted living community and maybe even in your long-term care community so uh, just think of it as a source of medical emotional and spiritual support from a team of very highly trained professionals who can help you or your loved one uh, and the entire family will enjoy that stage of life believe it or not and look i've been through this and this sounds weird but you will find moments of joy just living your life to its fullest. So uh, again, don't don't be afraid to reach out to hospice, even if it's just with the basic question, 816-363-2600. That's Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, 816-363-2600. You could also visit online at kchospice.org. And uh, also just wanted to give a quick shout out to everyone who supported the fundraiser that we had last month. It was called uh, Mustache Month. And I, I was visiting with David on the break there that I have I shaved my mustache off. It feels kind of weird. I was kind of getting used to that. <laughs> but uh, And I had a, 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 a big old bushy mustache, so uh, it, it grew in well. But with a lot of help from uh, a lot of generous uh, donors uh, to raise $500, I did hit my goal. That was my goal, $500. And, uh, and combined with, you know, my Myself and a lot of other uh, people uh, banding together to uh, help out the wonderful program, Carousel Pediatric Care Hospice Program. If you can imagine serving a child who needs hospice, that would be beyond difficult. That would take a gift and a special person uh, and staff and individuals to be able to to provide that care and then the love and the support for the family. Uh, but we were able to raise a, a lot of money. It was, a, it was a different year. We usually have kind of a culmination at the end up in Chicken and, up at, uh, Chicken and Pickle in uh, uh, North, uh, North Kansas City have a little celebration and and have a lot of fun there. Everyone's kind of showing off their stash. Uh, we weren't able to do that this year because of COVID. Hopefully we'll be able to do that uh, next year. Just want to say thanks again. And uh, I, I was able to, to reach my goal and uh, I'm just really, really proud of that. All right. So um, wanted to talk about uh, the vaccine and, and I've been talking about this for about the past few weeks. We are definitely turning the corner, and I'll have some more numbers uh, that are just really stunning, kind of breathtaking, showing that, that these numbers of, of positive 
COVID-19 uh, cases and, and are just dropping like a rock. And the number of people being vaccinated is skyrocketing. So uh, it, pretty soon, this nasty little bug won't have any hosts to invade. And then I think it's just going to die off, uh, uh, hopefully forever. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but uh, hopefully it'll, it'll get down to just minuscule numbers here. So I uh, wanted to provide uh, phone numbers to where you could call and schedule your vaccine. And I know I'm, I'm hearing from a lot of folks uh, about, you know, I, I'm, I want the vaccine, but I, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to call. And I'm getting a little bit frustrated. And I want to get this vaccine and kind of move on with my life or feel like I have a lot of protection, which you do once you're fully vaccinated. So here are a few important phone numbers and you can call. So anyone over 65 in the age in the states of Kansas or Missouri. So you you are up and, and you are eligible for the vaccine. So in Missouri, here's the phone number. You can call 1-800-593-7948. And that is the Mid-America Regional Council. They're going to handle the Missouri side of Kansas City. And again, that's 1-800-593-7948. And then on the Kansas side, uh, in Johnson County, here's the phone number, 913-715-2819. Johnson County, Kansas, 913-715-2819. And in Wyandotte County, Kansas, you can call 913-573-5311. Again, in Wyandotte County, Kansas, 913 913- If you need more information regarding getting the vaccine, you want to track some of this data, uh, get get all the latest updates for both states, Kansas and Missouri, I'll give you a couple of websites. And these websites are updated frequently and they are loaded with tons and tons of information. You could geek out on statistics and data if that's your thing, or just find out all the latest and greatest. Uh, for Kansas, really straightforward, it's kansasvaccine.gov. So kansasvaccine.gov. And then on the Missouri side, it's, uh, again, very simple, covidvaccine.gov. Mo.gov. So covidvaccine.mo.gov. You know what? If all else fails, just contact your doctor's office and ask them for help. Okay, so they can they can help you. They can point you in the right direction. Most health systems have their own vaccine distribution system within their health systems. Right. So I know we're part of the Olathe Health System and they have several of their of their doctors and physicians clinics that and several of them are distributing the vaccine. So they're contacting all of their patients 
that are on their records and being seen by all of their physicians and they're getting them in and getting them scheduled. Uh, so, and, and I think all of the health systems in our area are doing that. So if all else fails, again, contact your doctor's office and just ask them for help and they can get you connected or point you in the right direction for your location. All right, so a quick update on my mom's uh, vaccine experience. And I shared with you a couple of weeks back that, uh, you know, she she received her first vaccine and uh, vaccine shot vaccination and she received the Pfizer vaccine and it and it worked out great. And, you know, she felt uh, she felt fine. She kept waiting for the for the hammer to drop. <laughs> you know, you hear all these stories. And, and frankly, my wife, uh, she did get hammered on that second Moderna shot. But uh, but the Pfizer seems to be maybe a little little better tolerated. But uh, mom expected all of the things that we warned her about. And so she went home and it was after she received the shot and she took her, her uh, you know, ibuprofen and all that, drank lots and lots of water like you're supposed to. And she, felt, she said she felt fine. Now she had, and so the first one, you know, one down, one to go. So she, she got her last one last Friday and she felt fine uh, over the entire weekend. And then uh, it, it was, it was kind of weird. So for three days, my mom felt perfectly fine. And then on Monday evening, well, excuse me, I guess it would have been the afternoon into the evening, uh, she suddenly spiked a temperature of 100 degrees, just felt kind of warm, did, felt off, felt a little bit lightheaded, nothing major, but it was, it was definitely kind of boom, just kind of hit her. Uh, that lasted, again, through the afternoon, the evening, after three days of nothing. And then she said, as as quickly as it kind of came upon her, it just left. And then she felt fine. So, you know, I called her back that evening. How you doing? She goes, I, it, it kind of went away just that fast. So that's a weird kind of a delayed reaction. Uh, but that is, I mean, you know, I'm hearing about that uh, happening from time to time with some of the some of the folks. So anyway, here's the bottom line. Get signed up. Get your vaccine. Get protected. You won't regret it. And uh, uh, I'll have a whole lot more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right. So in this last segment, just wanted to talk about a very specific type of community. And with Senior Care Consulting, uh, gosh, we are receiving more and more and more calls over the years. And just recently, over the last 6 to 12 to 18 months, a lot of calls for something called a CCRC. So in healthcare, you have all of these acronyms and abbreviations. So a CCRC simply stands for Continuing Care Retirement Community. So what that means is that you have a senior care community that really offers all of the above. So, of course, they offer independent living. Uh, 
And then the whole concept, you don't have to start in independent living, by the way, you can move straight into one of the other levels of care. But the concept with a with a continuing care retirement community or a CCRC, the concept is that, you know, you're living at home and you're wanting to downsize and and get rid of a lot of your stuff and not have to worry about uh, the responsibility of home ownership and cleaning the leaves out of the gutter and the maintenance and the roof leaking and all the stuff, right? Uh, you're wanting to, you're wanting to get out of your house and downsize and move in somewhere where you can kind of let your hair down a little bit <laughs> and and, uh, and not do so much cooking and not have to worry about the maintenance and whether the heater is going to work when it's minus 10 degrees like it was a couple of weeks back and not have to worry about the mowing and the snow removal and the leaves in the gutter and the you know it goes on and on and on and on. So you sell your home and you downsize and you move into the independent living part of the continuing care retirement community. And then the concept is you can age in place and not have to change your address or leave the organization. They've got you covered. And so you move in to independent living. And what that is, is that's an apartment or maybe a villa or a duplex. I would say the majority of the capacity in our area would be apartments, but don't think any apartment. Most of these places, uh, a lot of these apartments are nicer than my house. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, these a lot of these places, they are really, really nice. They're just beautiful. They're spacious. You're not cramped up, although you can have a small apartment, but you could also rent a very large apartment and a, a two-bedroom with you know, 1,800 square feet. Uh, that's more square footage than a lot of people's homes. So you can have a small apartment or a large apartment, but the bottom line is you're you're on your own, but you're not alone. You're around a lot of other individuals and their socialization opportunities, and all of them offer cooking and, and some meal options. Usually at least one meal per day, sometimes uh, two meals per day, occasionally maybe even three meals per day, but always one and usually a couple of meals per day. So uh, you have a full kitchen in your independent living apartment, so you can still do some cooking. You're certainly not prohibited from that in any way. And you're living your life and you are, again, you're kind of taking a breath. You're relaxing. You're letting your hair down. You don't have to worry about a lot of the things that you used to have to worry about. And then if you should decline or start to need some help with some of those activities of daily living, such as getting dressed or maybe a little help taking a bath or a shower, a little help with your grooming or maybe with some incontinence support or help to and from the restroom, um, it, those sort of things. Maybe you need some help remembering your medications and taking your medicine on time and and there's a lot to it, but what I've just started to describe is assisted living. So the concept is you move into independent living, and at some point, if you decline and you need more help, then you can just easily transition in that same building or within that same organization to assisted living. And they have you covered right there. And so, again, some places are all under one roof, so you literally may be just moving down the hall. Now, some places might have a campus type of an arrangement and you might be moving across the lawn or maybe down the street into a separate building that offers assisted living, but you're still with the same organization. So so the bottom line is easy transition to the assisted living 
level of care. And then you can live there for as long as needed. And then if you should decline more, and let's say you need that long-term care, that medical model that can help you with uh, with, with pretty much with anything, uh, including two-person transfer, wound care, pain management, diabetic management, and insulin injections, and I could go on and on and on, but you could then transition to that long-term care. A lot of people still refer to that as the nursing home, but you're, you're, you're transitioning to that medical level of care, long-term care, and again, they've got you. They, they have you covered, and again, you're you're you may be in the same building or you're at at minimum you're with the same organization and you never have to move or hop from you know from one place to another to another and completely change organizations so uh, so that is a continuing care retirement community now you have a lot of differences uh, I like to say that uh, finding the right continuing care retirement community, uh, this is the, and this is by far the most difficult level of care or senior care option to try to navigate to figure out because there are lots of different layers and lots of different areas of concern that you have to figure out wh- whether it's right for you or not. So, for example, some offer memory care, and I've talked about it before on the program that special type of care for someone with cognitive impairment, such as Alzheimer's or dementia, or maybe due from due to a stroke or Parkinson's, or could be a lot of reasons. But special type of care, memory care, some have it, and some don't. So if you move into a place that doesn't offer memory care, and you're there, and three or four years later, you or your spouse or your loved one needs memory care, and they don't have it, then guess what? You have to move, and no one wants to do that. The whole point of moving into a continuing care retirement community is to get it right and move in and not have to move. So with Senior Care Consulting, we help our clients get that right and get it right the first time. Uh, now, there are different type of pricing models, and I'm not going to get really far into the weeds on this one today, but some have what's called an entrance fee, which is a large fee on the front end. It could be anywhere from about 150000 to about $600,000 on the front side, and then you still have a monthly fee thereafter. Most of those contracts are 90% back to you if you should move or to your estate upon your death, uh, but uh, some... Some of the continuing care retirement communities in our in our market here locally and and I would say the extended KC area, they don't have an entrance fee at all. They are rental only. So you move in, you can save the two, three, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar check. You can leave that with your financial advisor for them to continue uh, managing your money, and you can just pay for what you use or what you need all the way through. And you still start at independent living and you just pay a monthly fee. You can move to assisted living and pay a monthly fee, move to long-term care and pay a monthly fee. So, uh, so, so there are some huge, huge differences. Some of them are Medicaid certified and some of them are private pay only. And trust me, you don't want to be there for 10 years and find out you or your loved one has to move because they're out of money and the place you chose is not Medicaid certified. So if this is resonating with you, if you're thinking about evaluating uh, moving to a continuing care retirement community, reach out to my firm, Senior Care Consulting, and we can absolutely help walk you through that and make this whole process very, very simple at 913 945 
2800 or online at SeniorCareConsulting.com. All right, I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live. Senior Care Live.